All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Nobody gets married planning on divorce, (laughs) right? You get married planning on, you know, having a home together and having children together and building a a future, retiring together. I mean, Elizabeth and I were going to live on a sailboat in the Caribbean when we retired, right? And we had to let go of those things that we were going to share together. From WNYC, I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and this is Note to Self. I do believe in the algorithm. I believe in the OkCupid robot. Sometimes I feel, what, nobody loves me? The show where you and I find balance in the digital age. We've had moral panics about new technologies for centuries. I am consciously uncoupling from my phone. And figure out how to manage modern life. Let's just face it, divorce sucks. Splitting up is bad enough, but when you throw in lawyers and disputes over money and maybe children into the mix, well... We've all heard, or maybe we even have our own horror story about just how nasty a split can get. So this week, can tech solve this very emotional crossroads for people? Do cold-hearted data and algorithms have the power to make the human breakup less painful and maybe even help us better understand love and commitment in the process? the answer might be yes. Let's start with Michelle Crosby's divorce horror story. When she was nine years old, her parents were splitting up, and like out of a movie, little Michelle was put on the stand in the courtroom and given the kid version of Sophie's choice. The question that I will never forget was when one of my parents' lawyers walked up and asked, Michelle, if you were stranded on a desert island, which parent would you choose to live with? The shock and confusion of that moment, being asked to choose a parent, it pretty much traumatized Michelle. So in that moment, I remember that question of just feeling that there was nothing I could I could say or do. There was no right answer from my perspective. So, I mean, I just remember kind of being crushed by the weight of that question. You know, when you're a child in that much conflict and in a very formal setting like a courtroom... I mean, the amount of adrenaline. I mean, you you feel like you're a little bit in the war zone. So at this very young age, I had a very clear insight to how broken the divorce system was. That moment fired up Michelle so much that she decided that when she grew up, she'd be a divorce lawyer herself. But I didn't want to become one of those lawyers that uh, my parents had. She vowed to become a divorce lawyer who would fix this broken system and never make a child feel the way that she did on the witness stand that day. So Michelle graduates from law school. She's ready to start doing divorce better. The first step, join a law firm, throw herself into some cases. 
really, as a lawyer, I always was gravitating towards settlement. I'm a pattern thinker. I could see resolution and how we could bring parties to agreement. But in kind of the legal institution um, and in my career growing up in a big law firm, that really wasn't encouraged. Before we get into why Michelle wasn't encouraged, let's back up for a minute. Every 13 seconds, someone in the U.S. files for divorce. Usually the first thing that happens with a divorce is that one partner files a complaint and that partner's lawyer serves the other partner with a summons. The lawyers are really trying to make the other side the bad guy. And a lot of the legal system is caught in, and we are culturally as well, thinking that we have to make it someone else's fault. Which helps explain why the average divorce costs $27,000. $27,000! There's a lot of money to be made helping people split up. So Michelle, with her visions of helping couples work through their divorce peacefully, well, she is not appreciated at her law firm. In fact, I remember a senior partner one time, you know, I said, look, I think we could get to settlement if we offered this and, you know, we could counter here and it had a whole settlement plan. And he said, kid, if you think we're in the business of settlement, you have another thing coming. Loose translation, the goal here is for everyone to get as much money as possible So, you know, just forget fast, forget friendly. We're here to fight. And at this point, Michelle is thinking, well, if the law won't help her fix divorce, maybe technology can. Forgive this next section of our story, because it does kind of sound like a Silicon Valley cliche. The law was slow going and not really the place to create change. And the startup community were really the masters at creating change, Um, changes in marketplace behavior, launching new models, and really helping get new ideas out there. Michelle even came up with her idea on the back of a napkin, and she started practicing her elevator pitch. And so that led us to Y Combinator. Y Combinator, one of the most prestigious tech incubators out there. So when we applied, um, they obviously liked the market size, and divorce is a $30 billion (laughs) market. And that's legal fees alone. Wow. Um, And they liked our insights of how we could help families and minimize some of those stresses. She and her business partner came up with a service that put the whole divorce process online. They called it WeVorce. And to get a WeVorce, the idea was you started with a very simple survey. The survey answers then get plugged into an algorithm that predicts, and this is the WeVorce secret sauce here, it predicts where and when the breakup is most likely to turn ugly. Is it over child custody or payments? Or maybe it's about splitting up property. Weavorce also fine-tunes the divorce process by figuring out what divorce archetype each couple fits into. Crazy. I have 18 divorce archetypes that helps identify right from the beginning. Kind of gives us a snapshot of what steps will be helpful, what team they should work with. And we can really customize the process for them. A customized um, divorce. I mean, I kind of... It sounds wrong to say, but I kind of love that. Like, what are, do you mind sharing with me some of the 18 kinds of archetypal divorces there are? Sure. Well, it starts with the core archetype of identifying who is the initiator and who is the reactor. Statistically, 74% of divorces are started by the wife. And then the other side of that, of the initiator, is the reactor. And if I had a nickel for every time, you know, the reactor, And in response to the initiator saying, I've been warning him or her for years, and the reactor will always say, but I didn't know he or she was serious. It's a very classic pattern we see. Mm -hmm. And the reality of that is the initiator is ready to go. So they're ready to make decisions and get going, get it over with, because they've really been through a grief process already, where the reactor is just starting a grief process. 
and they need to move at different speeds. They need to be getting different support, and that's what our model allows. Do you have any other names of the 18 archetypal? Yes. Often opposites attract, and so we often see spenders and savers. So we have archetypes around money patterns. We also see kind of income earners and income supporters. Oftentimes there may be another person um, in that dynamic. So we have an archetypal predictor for the betrayed and the betrayer. So you mean like um, having an affair, that's why. Yes, yes. And so if that, if that is part of this family storyline, we take extra steps with that family because the, the betrayed can have a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, and the betrayer has a lot of guilt generally. And they're in different emotional spaces and they need the tools and support as they go through this and as they kind of work their way through their new reality. So that doesn't end up in a really unfair settlement or what I call an unsustainable settlement. Even something as personal as a divorce, a family breaking apart, can be scaled, managed, and made more efficient. I mean, that's what so many tech startups are all about, right? Using the data to make a process better. Well, that and also making it cheaper. So a WeVorce runs between $1,800 to $10,000, a third of the national average. Sorry, divorce lawyers. In a minute, one man gives online divorce a try. And his divorce archetype? He's a reactor. Every once in a while, if there was a sensitive topic coming up, our mediator, um, Casey, would say, all right, um, I can sense that there's a point of conflict here. And we'll also talk about how actually we might be at a moment in history when marriage is making a big change, too. Last week's episode was on stingrays, those fake cell phone towers that law enforcement have secretly been using to catch criminals. Lots of you wrote in. You tweeted. You sent us voice memos about the show and also about the corresponding episode on surveillance that we did with our friends at Radiolab. And mostly, you told us that you had no idea this stuff was going on. It was completely shocking. Laura Kersup sent us a tweet saying the extent of technological surveillance out there sounds more like dystopian sci-fi than real life. She wasn't alone in being glad to learn about this stuff. But some of you weren't convinced that using secret tech for security purposes is a problem. You feel conflicted. Here's Nathan Stitt from Adelaide, Australia. For me, it came down to if something were to happen to someone I cared about, could this technology help them? If the answer is yes, it would be crushing to think that we had chosen not to use it just because of an ideological position against anything that encroached on our right to privacy. Jackie commented, Why be afraid of Stingray technology if you aren't committing a crime? Yes, but more than a few of you felt that it is crucial to understand what surveillance tech is out there and how it's being used. Mako from Europe commented, All this government prying and spying is the central tech issue of our time. Several of you didn't like that the hero of our tale was a criminal. Zamzam wrote on our website, I hope this jerk enjoyed his time in the joint. He deserved worse. Listener Aton Burnett also emailed us with a lengthy explanation of why he, quote, deserves to rot in jail. We always love getting your reaction to our episodes, your follow-up questions. It's often how we decide what to cover next on the show. So be in touch. Write a note or take out your smartphone, record a voice memo using the voice memo app on your phone, and then email it to us at note to self at wnyc.org. We'll be right back. 
We're back. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is Note to Self, and we're talking about Weavors, a former divorce lawyer's attempt to use technology to change what some would say is a broken process, with lawyers on both sides getting out their pitchforks, kids at the center of what is often a vicious battle. That's definitely what Andrew Olson was told to expect when he started preparing for his own divorce. I had many friends tell me, oh, go protect yourself and make sure that you're ready with a lawyer so that you can, you know, you can protect yourself and protect your assets and that, you know, go for 100% custody of your kids. I had many people advise me that. Andrew Olson lived with his wife, Elizabeth, and their three kids and a dog in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. I mean, Elizabeth and I were going to live on a sailboat in the Caribbean when we retired, right? But then Elizabeth broke the news. And it's fair to say Andrew's archetype was a reactor. Well, I would say that it was a surprise to me. Let's put it that way, right? Um, I knew things were not great. I would say that Elizabeth was the one that, <laughs> that initiated it. She's the one that ultimately said, I want a divorce. They started out along a traditional path. They met with lawyers. We walked out of the session um, actually almost in more of a fighting mode (laughs) than we were when we walked in. Neither of them wanted a long, expensive legal battle, especially with three kids involved, but it seemed like their only option. They were frustrated and totally stressed out. And then one night, as Andrew was browsing on Facebook, an ad popped up. Because, yeah, Facebook really does know us that well. I happened to be going through my Facebook <laughs> timeline um, or feed, right? And and there was an ad for Weavors, and it obviously fit my circumstances. And I sent my ex-wife um, the link, and we both messaged to each other, hey, let's give it a shot. The first step, Andrew and Elizabeth filled out the survey, that one online that slots them and their situation into a divorce archetype. And then they got homework, reading and information, some of it very practical, like things that they'll need to keep in mind when they start planning future vacations. And other stuff was more philosophical, like literary quotes that could help keep their spirits up. And then they were assigned their team of advisors, including a mediator who they started Skyping with regularly. Sometimes I was in a conference room at work. And Elizabeth was in her bedroom at home with the kids in the other room. And There was a human touch here. And it sounds weird to say this, but Andrew felt like the Weavorce team wanted his divorce to succeed. Every once in a while, if there was a sensitive topic coming up, our mediator, um, Casey, would say, all right, um, I can sense that there's a point of conflict here, or I noticed that, Andrew, you seem to be... Um, backing away or disengaging. So let's talk. Let's let's put this the discussion on pause for a minute and and see see what's going on. In the end, their pain point was child support. Like who would pay for the school supplies and who would how we would handle new clothing or winter jackets or or medical costs. It could have bogged them down, but the algorithm had predicted that child support would be a sticking point. And so their mediator was ready to help them negotiate before the discussion took an uncivilized turn. Now look, a weavorce isn't for everyone. The company says a couple that is starting off really hostile or is fighting over complicated estates or big money 
they're not going to be a good fit. And maybe you're thinking, divorce online? This still seems weird. Like, it might work for some couples, but definitely not the majority. But the reason we could see more couples splitting up with algorithmic assistance, like Andrew and Elizabeth, is because we're already seeing big shifts in marriage itself. Marriage has been innovated so many, many times. It's worth putting our own feelings about how we couple up now in historical context. Stephanie Kuntz is Director of Research and Public Education at the Council on Contemporary Families. She's written these seminal books on the history of love and marriage. For thousands of years, marriage was about finding advantageous in-laws for the upper classes. It was the way they signed peace treaties and made alliances. The middle classes, it was the way they sealed business deals. For the lower classes, it was a way you expanded your family labor force. And love had very little to do with it. But then the Industrial Revolution comes along. Life gets easier. It's the 1800s, and the idea of a love match comes along. You should fall in love with someone you like, and you should be sexually compatible. We began believing in marrying our soulmate, the love of our life. Wonderful if it worked out, but shameful if it didn't. It became a tremendous stigma for anyone who was divorced because they were deviant. They weren't in that long-term marriage. And, of course, when divorce rates began to mount, uh, they've mounted steadily, by the way, since the 1890s. Everybody was uh, terrified of divorce. Terrified in part because someone had to be blamed for the split. That was the law in the U.S. until 1969, when California became the first state to pass the Divorce Reform Act. It basically said you can get a divorce just because you want to. It doesn't have to be someone's fault. So it made it easier to get a divorce, and more people did. And as divorce rates rose, marriage morphed too. So it's really only in the last 40 years that we've said marriage is not only about love. It's not only about sexual satisfaction. It's not only about intimacy, but it's about friendship. And it's actually a relationship that can be negotiated rather than being imposed by hundreds of years of instructions about how to do proper gender roles. And if you're negotiating marriage more... I mean, that kind of means, like, why not be able to negotiate divorce, too? Think Gwyneth and Chris and their conscious uncoupling. Yeah, we might have laughed, but this concept of an amicable divorce where things don't get ugly, it's trending. This might be divorce's big moment. Well, I think that we are moving toward a situation where we can accept divorce as a normal part of a society. Uh, Something to be avoided if possible, but something that does not have to be a disaster. One of the things that I think is important for people to realize is that um, marriages today take more work than in the past at all stages. In a way, it never did in the past because we have so many options outside marriage that we have to work to renew our marriage uh, at all points along the line. And you got any tips for me? It's my 10-year anniversary next month. (laughs) Um, The most important tip anybody can ever give you about a marriage is to choose someone you like and who likes you. That's very different than love. It's got to have that respect. If you've got that going, then as long as you renew that respect, show that liking, operate on what I think of as the economy of gratitude, where you each are grateful and express the gratitude 
for what you're getting with this relationship. And you keep negotiating and you keep your sense of humor. Come on, you're not really surprised that I took the opportunity to turn this interview into a therapy session with some marital coaching. Okay, so Weavorse is about making divorce an easier process on everyone. At first I thought this meant making divorce too easy, that people wouldn't stick it out because they could just like text in their divorce papers or something. But the more I learned about it, you know, it made me think that what we really need to rethink is what marriage is all about these days. So let's remember Stephanie Kuntz's final words. Keep your sense of humor. Keep negotiating. Do the hard work in your relationship. That's the payback for gender equality and not having to do the hard work in the fields anymore. But I don't know. I do wonder. Was Ma Ingalls in Little House on the Prairie, like, did she ever just get so pissed off with Pa? Or was she like, you know, at least these stereotypical gender roles keep the peace in this here log cabin? Intriguing fact, by the way, Michelle Crosby is herself a divorcee. She's now remarried and has a contractual marriage that is up for renegotiation every few years. So I think in that respect, she might be on the cutting edge of divorce. But Michelle Crosby is future woman when it comes to marriage. Okay, next week, we're debuting a new segment that we are calling Question of Note. Listeners ask a question. I go and find the answer. You can email us your questions about anything to do with how tech works or how it's impacting your life, the human side of digital living. Email it to note to self at wnyc.org. And meanwhile, subscribe so you don't miss it next week. We are kicking off with a really good question. It's something that I've been wondering myself. Also, if you've got some thoughts on rethinking marriage or divorce in the era of algorithms and longer lives, you can email us about that too. Note to self at WNYC.org or tweet us at Note to Self or just search for us on Facebook. We always write back. The Note to Self team is Alex Goldmark, Ariana Tobin, Andrew Dunn, and me, Manoush Samarodi. So in the end, we were all in tears, even our mediator. Um, she recognized that what the journey we were on. I want to leave you now with something kind of beautiful that happened when Andrew and Elizabeth, that couple in Wisconsin, when they finalized their divorce. They came together, not online, but in real life, to mark the end of their marriage with a closing ceremony. It's really touching. Enjoy. And so the closing ceremony is all about saying goodbye to that dream, that plan. And this is the quote. And I, I, I guess I don't know who it's by, but it's the the end of the divorce process. It says, today we must say goodbye to our life as we knew it ending. Let us not forget we once loved. As we find our separate paths, let us show kindness and goodness towards one another. So we were all in tears thinking, you know, there's, there's a level of respect that we have and had for each other through the process that I don't think people have at the end of a big fight.